Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How you doing, wrestling fans? And welcome to another edition of John Arezzi's Pro Wrestling Spotlight Podcast. We are the only wrestling podcast that brings you back 30 years with vintage audio featuring some of the biggest names of that time. For the next two weeks, we will feature one of the biggest names in the history of the wrestling business, a dear friend of Pro Wrestling Spotlight during the years it ran. Plus, he became a dear friend of mine to this day. More on who that guest is in a minute. But right now, let's first say hello to my co-host, the renowned pro wrestling journalist, Mr. Bob Smith. Bob, welcome back for another week. I'm so excited for the same reasons you are, John, that's for sure. Yeah, it's going to be a, it's going to be a good one. Uh, Alex Robertson will be joining us later in the show. Uh, but also joining us is the one-man wrestling encyclopedia. And I think that's a name that Bob uh, gave this gentleman. A herald wrestling photographer, sports journalist, not just in wrestling, but in other sports, especially baseball as well. He's a reporter, and he's the dude who was my right hand throughout my career in wrestling, Mr. Don Liable. Don, how are you? Anxious to be back with you guys and anxious for what we're going to be talking about today. Yeah, it's going to be a good one, and uh, I can't begin to tell everybody how much I've been looking forward to today's episode as well as next week's because this has to be a two-parter. It has to be two parts on this one, and uh, I think everyone's going to really enjoy what we got in store for them. But before we get into all of that, I want to plug our Patreon community. Five bucks a month gets you in the door and access to the entire Pro Wrestling Spotlight library from the first show in 1989, April the 9th through February of 1992, with a new old show being uploaded each and every Sunday. You'll also get access to this podcast early and our sister podcast, Matt Memories from Madison Square Garden, which covers the shows at the Mecca of all arenas from 50 years ago. We have levels for all budgets, and the bigger the tier, the more you get. We ship vintage magazines each month to patrons, from one a month to four a month, if you're an executive producer level. We give you vintage audio from the early 70s through the 1990s, vintage video, 8mm films, unwatermarked photo sets are also a part of our Patreon tiers. And we do monthly video get-togethers with patrons. Just go to patreon.com slash John to become part of the community. So let's get... A little info, and let's talk about our special guest tonight. 
Joining us in just a bit will be Mick Foley, who was such a major part of the history of Pro Wrestling Spotlight. Uh, he's somebody that was on more than any other guest. And this week, we'll be covering some of the classic appearances Mick as Cactus Jack made on the show beginning in 1989. And next week, we'll feature his appearance at our first live remote on WEVD, which took place on February 23rd, 1992. Guys, are you excited as me for the next two weeks? Absolutely. Absolutely. Bob, uh, let's get with you first. Uh, when did you first meet uh, Mick Foley? I met Mick Foley at an independent show in Jersey, I believe. Um, we only exchanged a hello at that point. And he was the opening match, and he wrestled. It was one of those sold shows. I think we've spoken about this before on the show. Yeah. This packed show that had like 19 people in the in a high school gym with Manny Fernandez and Wahoo McDaniel and the Rock and Roll Express and on and on. Everybody on it was a star, Jerry Lawler, but there was nobody there. I don't know what the situation was, but they went on with the card, and the opening match was Cactus Jack versus Damian Kane. Hmm. And um, it was good. You know, it, it was really good. It was a great opener. The guys worked their butts off, and uh, I, that's the first time I met him. And through you, I think, is when I really got to know Mick. And you can go on more about that. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, you. I think you went on some of our bus trips too, right? Was sure, on, absolutely. Yeah. Was he on any of those bus trips that you were uh, it, part of? Um, I don't recall him being on the, the bus with me personally. Mm -hmm. um, I had I had my own little entourage of a photographer and other got people it. too, so. But but um, I don't recall that. But I know that you and I spent a lot of time in arenas with that guy. That's for sure. Or not yeah, even that, arenas, but high school gyms and smaller places. And you know. Yeah, you know. I, I know we did uh, some play by play together for uh, his series with Eddie Gilbert. Or you were next to me as I was doing play by play when he got his head caught in the bob wire. That's the and only I, time in my life I ever yelled "Stop the match." Yeah, and I have it on tape. Yeah, <laughs> and I and I meant it. Oh, yeah, me too. I was like, yeah. I was freaking out because he was literally tangled in this bob wire. He was getting choked out. Uh, it was horrible to well, see. It was so Clumps boring. of his hair were being pulled out. Yeah, it was insane. That was an insane night that Joel Goodhart yeah. promoted. And uh, uh, Don, of course, uh, you know Cactus and spent my, a lot of time with him. My, my first time that I saw him live and in person, 1988, it was in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, there was a, a, a wrestling convention. Uh, I was at WMC Channel 5 there on a Saturday morning, and Cactus was there. And then uh, he was there for the uh, uh, Mid-South show. Uh, I believe that was on Monday. Mm -hmm. And I took a, a, a nice pose shot of him holding his whip. Uh, he had on a vest, and uh, he was very cordial, very cooperative. Uh, and on that same time... Uh, on the same Saturday morning uh, live show at the TV station was uh, S uh, Sid Vicious. First wow. time I saw him. Uh, so it was a lot of fun to, to be in Memphis and, and see Cactus. Yeah, so wow. this was kind of pre-Texas for him, I would guess, right? Yeah. 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 You know, I to Texas with Gary Young and, you know, had the feuds there. But, yeah. yeah you know, Don, I one of my great – wrestling memories was being on the, the channel five show from that studio as well as the Jerry Lawler show. He, I was a guest on that show and 
Memphis, say what you want about it. It was one of the great proving grounds for good young wrestlers sure. who would later become stars. During one time when I was there, there were two rookies, Sabu hmm. and Rob Sikowski, who we all know better as Rob Van Dam now. And they were making the 25 bucks, you know, or whatever it was they were being paid. And um, Rob Van Dam had, had a match with uh, Nightmare Danny Davis that to this day is one of the best openers I've ever watched. So say what you want about Memphis. If they brought Cactus in, I didn't even know he worked that that territory. Well, at, at that time, at that time, Memphis and Texas were exchanging talent. They were working in both places. Uh, Jeff Jarrett was on a show. Um, maybe Gary Young was there. Kerry um, uh, and Kevin Von Erich came in for the show. Frank Dusick was the guy chaperoning chaperoning them there. Mm -hmm. uh, so they were exchanging people. Yeah, when I was there, Eric Embry had the book. Mm -hmm. You know, so that I think those are two slightly different time periods, but still, magic going there, isn't it? I mean, it was yeah. really a thrill to be involved with that that TV station and those wrestlers. It really was. Mm -hmm. I yeah, love so studio wrestling. I mean, I think some of the glory days of for me watching NWA from TBS inside the studio. You, you get that up close uh, feeling. You hear that slam on the mat so much better and. Uh, yeah, it was, I went there twice to, in Memphis and, and really enjoyed the experience. And the, you're right. It was Monday night cards there. It, you know, it, Monday, they would do Saturday TV live for the Monday shows that they had. And it was uh, it had a flavor unlike anywhere else. To, for my money, the greatest local promotion TV show ever, I think, because it lasted so long, decades, literally. That's uh, a regret of mine. I never got a chance to go to uh, Memphis for a TV taping there. I don't recall uh, that I had that opportunity. And the more you hear about it and how classic it was and what a great territory it was for so many years, you know. And uh, so anyway, me, you know, Mick Foley there. And, of course, we all spent time with him, uh, a lot of time with him and Don. And I do remember one um, uh, convention in 1991 that mm -hmm. uh, we did a live remote and you was, I have the great picture of you and me and cactus sitting mm -hmm. together uh, during that uh, broadcast. And those were special memories. It really was. I have so many special memories of Mick and we're going to be going over so many cool things, mm -hmm. uh, you know, over the next two weeks, uh, this first week will really feature um, a lot of uh, some of the classic uh, clips uh, we have seven of them all together uh, that are really kind of benchmarks in the history of uh, of Cactus Jack on the Pro Wrestling Spotlight. We won't uh, give any spoilers right now. We'll wait for our special guest so we can go over all of that stuff. But uh, I really look forward to today's adventure uh, <laughs> with Mr. Foley and to reminisce a little bit. And I know, uh, Don, you got a few really cool questions for him on uh, some things that are maybe even outside the realm of pro wrestling. Sure. And of course, Bob, you know, your relationship. And uh, I don't think that you've uh, seen Mick or talked to him in a lot of years. The last time I ran into Mick Foley was totally by chance. I ran into him and his kids at Shea Stadium <laughs> in, in the mezzanine. He was about five rows in front of where I was sitting. No kidding. So I walked down and I said, hey. And he went, hey, it was it was just like that. It was just, it was just old times again. And we sat and talked old times for a while. 
That's and awesome. Then, uh, drop some names and uh, he's still he was still the same guy. You know, he's he's for, for anybody who's ever met Mick Foley, from anybody who ever got an autograph to us in the business who had to deal with him, nobody was a bigger pleasure than Mick Foley. I mean, he was just a pleasure to be around. And you got to give him credit. You know, he wasn't full of, uh, you know, cave fabiness or whatever you want to call it. He was a very warm, very real human being who just happened to love wrestling even more than we did. Because he's yeah. the guy that put his body and his soul on the line to entertain the fans for decades. Oh, he did. And he was so good to the fans. And he is to this day. I mean... Even back then, I remember um, uh, him, uh, us taking a listener uh, to lunch at the ground route on Long Island. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, just uh, uh, we met at the ground route. It was Andrew Goldberger, uh, who uh, we've all talked about here. And and Mick was extremely nice to him and uh, as every every uh, fan. And there was, of course, uh, uh, one of the legendary fans of the show, uh, Ski from Hicksville. <laughs> Uh, and um, Ski uh, was an interesting character, to say the least, and uh, he's no longer with us. But uh, every time that uh, Cactus would hear his voice when uh, Cactus was a guest and uh, the caller was Ski or Ski happened to be in the studio, Cactus would just start screaming on top of his lungs. That high-pitched that high yeah. nasal wail that he used to do. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, you I know think- what? I, and here's the beauty part. I don't think he was faking it either. <laughs> No, I mean, he just, the, the guy was an interesting character for sure, Ski was, and a uh, good soul and all of that. And uh, Cactus also, we even had a couple of video parties uh, over at Vinny uh, LaFranco, Vinny from West Babylon, who be, was a producer for the show for a while. And Cactus showed up at his house and, you know, watched pay-per-view. And I think he brought his, uh, his wife, uh, who was his girlfriend at the time, Colette, there. So a lot of great memories with Mick Foley. And, um uh, uh, we're going to go over some some of these great memories, and uh, and we'll uh, just uh, we'll just have a great time with this today. From 1989 throughout the entire run, uh, this is a real special thing for us. Uh, Mick Foley is joining us. Uh, Mick, welcome to the Pro Wrestling Spotlight, and it's been a lo- It's been an interesting. I haven't said that. On radio in a very long time. Wow, yeah. This is uh, some type of anniversary you have going on, John? Well, yeah. I mean, it was 30 years ago uh, to the week that you did a live remote with us, WEBD Radio, 1050 AM, with our uh, partner and producer, Mr. Vince Russo, at the time. And it was in Brooklyn, New York. And we felt that uh, uh, 1992 was a pivotal year for you. But you go way back with the Pro Wrestling Spotlight, I mean, we really watched you evolve from your first appearance, which was September of 1989, through your first entree into the NWA, you leaving them, you meeting your wife, Colette, Herb Abrams, heading to Japan for the first time, your feud with Eddie Gilbert, rejoining yeah. WCW, and through an amazing year, uh, which really, with this episode, kind of culminates uh, with 1992, which was a really breakthrough year for you as well. Uh, so lots of history there, and uh, we're going to share some really special things with you today. So welcome once again. Thanks, John. I appreciate it. So uh, why don't we get started? Uh, I met you for the first time, Mick, uh, September 17th, 1989. Uh, 
I was uh, introduced to you by a guy named uh, Al Schaefer, whose ring name was Broadway Sonny Blaze. Yep. And uh, I didn't know too much about you. I had just gotten back into the wrestling business. I had heard your name, and uh, he said, this guy is great. He's a, he's a, going to be a superstar. And I was like, please bring him on. He's a Long Island guy. And, and uh, I remember vividly you showing up on September 17th, 1989, to a little studio, a little radio station in Babylon, New York, WNYG. And we have a clip of that. So we're going to play uh, for you right now, first time you've heard it, a clip from the opening of the Pro Wrestling Spotlight, September 17th, 1989. Here we go. Hello there, wrestling fans. Welcome to another edition of the Professional Wrestling Spotlight, heard each and every week right here on 1440 WNYG in Babylon, New York. Very exciting show lined up for you today. We have a special guest here in the studio, someone who uh, I'm a little leery about even talking to at this point. Uh, he's been here for about a half an hour, and I'm trying to uh, get things under control in here. Uh, his name is Cactus Jack Manson. Hey, listen, listen, John. John. Jack, what's up? Man? Now, listen, everybody that listens to your show knows that you were a washout. At my profession. A washout right. as far yeah. as what? A washout talent I didn't last very long in the business, but that, I That's what I'm saying, all right? Best. You were a failure at best. Frankie Williams. Uh, being kind. Yeah, I'd put you in the same class as Frankie Thank Williams. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> but listen, John, just because you're a washout at what I do doesn't mean that I don't think I can do what you do. I come a long way to be on this show here. You haven't covered my expenses yet, and I expect to run things the way I want them to be run. I can push buttons for a living right. if I need to. Well, Donald Trump doesn't run this radio station either so i know what your expenses are like i've heard from different promoters around the country the type of expenses you have uh we're just trying to have a a, a good two-hour show here and uh, you know i'm a little nervous John, even being in the studio with you uh, no that's my point that's my point if you leave it to me let me push push the buttons it will be a good two-hour show okay and i know you have an allegiance here with broadway sunny blaze yeah, you guys yeah. worked out together a while ago a few years back i believe when uh broadway was just starting hey sunny and, uh, you know, we're going to be taking calls. I guess you do want to hear from some of the fans out there. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to see what, what the people have to say. Okay, 661-1440 is the number to call here at the Pro Wrestling Spotlight to speak to Jack Manson. And uh, Cactus Jack Manson, excuse me, don't give me that look. Uh, I will definitely try to keep things under control here for the next couple of hours. Uh, it should be a very exciting program with Cactus Jack Manson. We're also going to talk about the big clash of the Champions 8 program, which uh, aired Tuesday uh, night on WTBS, uh, extravaganza to say the least. And uh, the main event was a wild one, one of the wildest matches I've ever seen. We'll be talking about that. We're talking about our bus trip taking place October 28th, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Pay-per-view, NWA show, Halloween Havoc 89, settling the score. We're going to talk about upcoming shows in the area. But uh, as, you know, first and foremost, uh, the main guest here in the studio today Cactus Jack Manson, and I do have to say one thing before we go into our first commercial break. Uh, you are one of the roughest wrestlers I've ever seen. Uh, one of the best wrestlers I've seen in quite some time as yeah. far as... Uh, as far as what? As far as uh, comparing you to uh, some of the other roughhouse wrestlers that I've seen. Uh, uh, guys even like Bruiser Brody and, uh, you know... Well, that's a fair... I'm getting nervous comparison. looking at this no, guy no, over here. Don't get nervous, John. This is your show. Uh -huh. You can kick me out if you like. No, but I, I do know where you live. Yeah, I know you do. Uh, okay, hey John, well, yes. Uh, Cactus Jack has been compared with 
the former NWA World's Heavyweight Champion, Terry Funk. Yeah, I, I understand that. Uh, well, he's he's pr- probably as, about as maniacal as Terry Funk is. But what we're going to do when we get back from our first commercial break, we're going to talk to Cactus Jack Manson about his uh, wrestling career, what's been happening with him recently. He's recovering from a, a severe injury. Uh, we'll be getting into all the details as far as that goes, and then we're going to open up the phone lines at 661-1440. Uh, Broadway, Broadway, Sunny Blaze, those were the days. Yes. I feel like George C. Scott in hardcore watching his daughter. There you go. You know, hey, Turn it, it was. Off. Take it off. Make it stop. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, you haven't heard this stuff in 30 years. I remember that vividly. I mean, because you came in and you stood up for the entire two hours. Yeah. You didn't sit down. At the end of the uh, show, I mean, we talked about, you know, your compensation or whatever you what did you do buy me a blueberry muffin that was half stale from dunkin donuts <laughs> and it's classic stuff uh, of course patrons can hear each and every one of the episodes patreon.com slash john Arezzi. but that was your first appearance and it was your first appearance of many you were the uh you were the one uh you you had more appearances on the pro wrestling spotlight than anybody else uh second place was paulie dangerously paul Heyman. And uh, the evolution, I mean, you would just, do you, what do you remember most? Do you remember, is this is going back. What do you remember most about this? Well, I don't like to listen or watch my stuff because uh, uh, until you played that, I was under the impression that I was awesome on your show. And uh, <laughs> when you go back and listen, you said, wow, that was still very much a work in progress. I was still favoring my uh, southern vowel sounds so that I didn't sound like I was from New York. That was uh, thought to be the kiss of death for someone, even though I was from the southwestern, you know, the gimmick was truth or consequences, New Mexico. If you betray a Long Island accent at that time, man, that was considered to be pretty dangerous uh, long term, especially for you know baby face. If you happen to have a baby face turn and you didn't sound legit, that could be really uh, detrimental and so I was just trying a bunch of stuff, you know, like I did not, I've talked to you in the past about getting your reps in and how that's a, one of the drawbacks to talent today is that they don't have the reps when it comes to uh, their the character and they don't have the luxury of failing on a, I would say that, you know, I mean, I, I was succeeding on a certain level, but I think in everything you do, you're also failing on a certain level. And I was uh, making my mistakes and uh, learning on your show where it wasn't necessarily in the mainstream every week. And I think uh, I was really well served by that, that I was able to have an avenue where I could come along, uh, get better as I went along. So even, you know, between 89 and 91, when I returned to WCW for the second run, Mm. there was a world of difference between those two characters. Oh, absolutely. The evolution of uh, each appearance that you made on the show, and there were well over 50 of them over the course of uh, a four or five year run. Your evolution was astounding. It was amazing to see and to hear uh, as you started developing the personality uh, for Cactus Jack and dropping the Manson, obviously, and and then, uh, you know, co-hosting with me and and doing some amazing, amazing work uh uh, throughout your career and your evolution, not just with your promo skills, but your evolution in the wrestling business, we kind of watched it evolve over the over this time period. And you see, at that point, you know, we very much protected the characters. Yes, uh, you didn't come on a show out of character. Um, 
So I'm I'm sure there were times when that made for great listening and other times when you just wanted to like almost like the frustration I would feel when Robin Williams was in a great uh, uh, movie like Awakenings, really, uh, really uh, dramatic role. And then he'd come on the talk shows and do his wacky stuff. And you're like, no, we want to know you like we understand. We don't need to be entertained 24 seven. We want to get some insight into this character. So I guess it's like that in the sense that these days, if you saw someone show up in character on the Tonight Show or something like that, you would think it was a, a you know, um, I don't know. There's still room for the characters to work twenty four seven, but uh, the, no question, we protected the characters at that time in 1989. Yeah, without a doubt, and the show was uh, also in its infancy, and uh, we started to get more inside after Ricky Steamboat had left the uh, NWA and came on the show to talk about his contract dispute. And then Jim Hurd came on and the show slowly evolved into a uh, insider type of show. Yep. Uh, you always were able to protect it in a way where you didn't insult the intelligence of the fans that were listening, but you didn't also take them behind the curtain in a lot of ways. It was no, it was no easy trick. You know, most of the time when I did public appearances, I stayed in character. Yeah. Even uh, when I was being interviewed at a big convention, like, yeah, you you really stayed in character. And like I said, that was what was expected of you at that time. Yeah. And uh, the next clip, I mean, we're going to you had just joined the NWA. You had come on on January the 7th of 1990. uh, And. We took some calls for you, and we had, you know, we had some really zany, crazy calls. Uh, of course, you remember Ski. I mean, yeah. you know, you don't have you don't have to start screaming, <laughs> but yes, yeah, Ski was uh, one of those guys. And we had this uh, crazy guy from North Babylon, Joey from North Babylon, and and then we had an intelligent caller named TJ from Deer Park. And I, when I was listening back to some of this stuff, I was like, this is this is a really cool one because you had you were just getting your feet wet in the NWA, and then yeah. you come back into the studio to talk about it. So, uh, Bob, why don't we uh, get uh, January 7th, 1990's clip pulled up and Cactus gets into it with Joey from North Babylon. And here's from TJ from Deer Park. And we're back with Cactus Jack and we have a phone call. We're going to take it right now. I believe we have Joey from North Babylon. Joey, you're on the air. Yeah, how you doing, John? Pretty good. Listen, first of all, Cactus Jack, what are you related to Charles Manson or what? Uh-oh. We don't want to bring that. We never wanted to bring that subject up. Hey, hey listen. Been... Hey, hey. Let's. What's your name? Joey? Yeah, you got it. Hey, Joey. Joey, get your phone book. Where do you live? North Babylon? Yeah, I got a call on back. I'm disconnected. Hello? Well, John, I don't want to. Hello, are you there? All right, Joey. You Joey, you idiot. Pick up a phone book and check under Manson and see how many there are. There's about 50 in Suffolk County alone. So you're going to claim that just because I have the same name, which happens to be a common name, that I'm related to the, to, the, to, to, to one of the worst men who ever walked the face of the earth? This is, this is, I mean, there's hundreds of people. King Kong Bundy was never confused with, with uh, Ted Bundy. Dynamite Kid, no oh, one ever confused him with he's Billy back, the Kid. I believe, Jack. Hey, Joey, Joey. Hey, listen, Jack. Hey, look, I don't know. Your staff sort of, uh, I don't know. You're going after your partner, man. You don't know where it's at. And don't knock Pete Rose, man. When you can do what he does, then you can knock him. If you're going to run, check this, Jack. Check this, Jack. You better learn. You're going to have to learn to button your way on. But you're in the NWA, the major leagues, pal. Uh, wait, what am I going to have to do? You're going to have to learn to button your way on. What, to butt your way on, he's saying. To yeah. butt my way on? You got it, man. In other words, don't try to be a home run hitter if you're not, man. You better set up for going for singles. 
Yeah. No, no, I don't hit singles, son. I don't hit singles. That's why I'm in the NWA because I'm shooting a little bit bigger. I Maybe if you get up. I will give you one bit of credit. Anybody that we go after Sting has to have a lot of guts and drive because Sting's a dynamic athlete and a dynamic wrestler. Uh, he is a dynamic wrestler. I respect you, and uh, look, all I can say is lots of luck to you. I mean, you definitely have a style on your own. Uh, you definitely move to the beat of a different drum. But, so Joey, Joey, in all seriousness, please, look us, do me a favor, okay? Look up in your phone book. Hang up. Look up in your phone book and count how many Mansons there are and then call us back and tell us, all well, right? you're the one going out there trying to slaughter people, even your partner. Now, I think you're going to have a hard time getting by Lee Scott. I think Lee Scott's going to take care of you. Oh, <laughs> stop, man. I, I, I have to I, disagree this, with that. This is radio and I can still see your nose growing. Stampede organization when he's done with you. What? You might be wrestling in the defunct Stampede organization when he's done with you. No, no, I, 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 mean, I intend to be in the NWA for a long time. All right, Joey, thanks for your call, man. We appreciate it. 661-1440 is the number to call here at the Pro Wrestling Spotlight. And apparently, Jack has kind of riled some of the listeners up because they're starting to call in here. And don't mention that uh, Manson situation. No, because it's not fair. It's not fair. I mean, are you related to Mark Anthony? <laughs> are you no, related not. to Mark Anthony? Is, is Sonny related to the stripper, Blaze? It's, I mean, That's what? true. Are you? I, I wish I knew her. Let's take another call here. Uh, TJ from Deer Park. TJ, you're on the air. How you doing, John? It sounds to me like Joey from North Babylon's doing too many sit-ups on the parked cars. <laughs> I mean, right. I, mean I, I gotta tell you, Cactus Jack is one of the most commendable personalities I've seen in years in wrestling, from world class, and I'm not one to call up and kiss anybody's butt. Yeah. But the point of the matter is, he's a very, very good wrestler. That elbow from the rope onto the concrete floor, which like do all the way back to world class. That's a, that's a great move, to move with the clothesline over the rope. Yeah. I mean, those are innovative moves, so and a personality like him, you need people like him, and I'm kind of surprised Joey should be ashamed of himself. Now, now listen, I like your style, TJ. Thank you, sir. So you tell me, if, 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 why should I bump my way on base if I got the, the round trippers like the moves you just said? Yeah, exactly. Do what you want to. Nobody's saying you're wrong for what you did. Beat up as many tag team partners as you want to. Take a swing at Jim Ross. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like Jim. Jim Ross is a, maybe Jim Ross, I may have been a little too hard on him because I said he doesn't understand my personal life, and he, he apparently eavesdrops on my pre-match conversations allegedly with myself and that's okay Jim because Jim he gets he is the first man to really understand what it is that I'm trying to get across in that ring there let me just interrupt quickly if people are trying to call in we'll definitely get to you so if it rings just like keep it ringing and we'll pick up the phone as the calls come in okay now, Did you, sorry now, to TJ, you. you know I've, I try to explain to the people maybe by making comparisons so I made the one about baseball, and Joey gets a little upset. He thinks I was a little too hard on Pete Rose. Now, are you a history fan? Yes, I am. I can deal with the history. All right, you can deal with with history. I'm talking about World War II, okay? Mm -hmm. I mean, with the Allies. That's us, right? That's us, the United States. Of which I'm a citizen. We were outmanned, outnumbered, out-ammunitioned. And what did we do? What did we do when things looked worst? We kept in there, we fought. And what did we drop on, on Japan? We dropped the bomb. We dropped two bombs on them. That's right, I'm sorry, I forgot about that. <laughs> two bombs. We dropped two bombs on them. And that's what Cactus Jack does. He doesn't fire pistols. He, do oh, he doesn't fence with swords. Why? I mean, why Why are these guys trying to throw rocks at a guy with a machine gun? Exactly. The NWA is a place where you got to make a splash by doing things out of the ordinary. Otherwise, you're just going to be one of the little fish in a big pond. Yeah. Be a shark. That's it. All right, listen, TJ, thanks for your call. Thanks, Thank you, TJ. Wow. Uh, I have a question for Mick. Yeah. The Manson name, where'd it come from? I, I, you, I knew you before that, and all of a sudden you were Cactus Jack Manson. Yeah, first of all, so. I want to apologize to everyone from the 
the southern part of the United States with the worst southern accent. <laughs> Man, I didn't know it was that bad. Uh, and clearly, I, I should have been arrested for thieving from Roddy Piper. Wasn't Roddy <laughs> the, the man shooting uh, BBs at a man with a, whatever it was, throwing rocks at a man with a machine gun? Mm-hmm. The Manson thing came about. I was Cactus Jack Foley in uh, Memphis. Uh, Robert Fuller took me under his wing. And he said, you kind of look like that Manson feller. And I tried telling Rob that actually I looked nothing like that Manson feller because he was about 5'4", maybe 140. Mm -hmm. There was that famous photo of Manson when he was on LSD with the eyes, you know. Even today, I believe the thing that says be Miz on his tights is actually from that photo. I, uh, you know, I I don't know what the correlation is, but that's that famous photo. So I had the eye thing going on. But other than that, I didn't think I looked anything like Charles Manson. I didn't want what I thought was cheap heat, which I thought that was. Um, But Robert Fuller, he's, you know, he mentioned it to Eric Embry, who was my booker in Dallas. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I got there, he said, doesn't it look like that Manson feller? Before I actually started working for Eric. I think it was on uh, Super Clash 3 when I met Eric. Not exactly sure. Uh, But all I know is when I came down the aisle for my first match in uh, World Class, it was Cactus Jack Manson. Anyway, oh. ooh, did not wow. know that was on the menu. Uh, I mentioned it to Rob that I wasn't comfortable with it, and Rob got real serious and he goes, You know, Jack, not too many spots in this business. Someone who looks like you, you could ride a good gimmick a long way. And uh, that's when I decided, man, if uh, they're gonna call me Cactus Jack Manson, I'm gonna be the best. Cactus Jack Manson that I could be at the time when I was given a chance to cut a few promos in world class. I thought I did pretty well, but I think it was, it was trying to adapt that, you know, that, that accent uh, in my everyday life, because uh, like I talked about protect, protecting the business, you know, everywhere I went, I was going to be that guy, which uh, leads to its own set of difficulties um, but I'm really embarrassed to, to listen to it now. I, I thought it was good, man. But I think it's it's really, I think, really effective to show that we are all works in progress. Yes. And that yeah. I was lucky that uh, I'd seen it in some respect when WWE did their um, For All Mankind uh, DVD, which I thought they did a really good job on. And you could see me learning as I went the same way you could see Ric Flair learning as he went. Um, when they did the 30 for 30, that he didn't just become the nature boy. Like that was a work in progress uh, for a little while. Yeah. I mean, the evolution, as we talked about, um, yeah, it's embarrassing for you to listen to that early stuff. I'm sure now, I mean, um, but a work in progress, your national exposure on NWA, your first run there and the, awareness that fans around the country then got of you um and then you weren't you know they they weren't using you in the right way i mean uh you came on the show there's so many times that you were on the show that either broke news or made news uh you appeared on pro wrestling spotlight on um june the 3rd 1990 donnie liable started off with a great tribute of you and then you announced that you had left the NWA. So let's go to the clip now, and then we'll get Donnie. Oh, you, get, go ahead, Mick. 
So this was what day was this? Uh, this was uh, June the third, nineteen ninety, and so this was right around notice? the time you were leaving. Yeah, yeah, I probably given my notice there. I don't think I was gone yet. Like okay. imminent, yeah. You were just yeah. like, I'm out, and I don't know if you broke the news on the show or you told them first. I don't know, but uh, Don did a wonderful tribute of you, and then we uh, get the. Uh, news that you had uh, left the NWA. So uh, let's get to that right now. Let's hear it. We'll have our female listeners send in a postcard in a few weeks, uh, maybe sometime in July. Uh, we'll have a date with Cactus Jack. Enclose a photo. Enclose a photo. That is a prerequisite. Okay. You know what kind we like. <laughs> All right, let's uh, not get into the, the blue area here. Uh, speaking of Misty. Why don't we uh, get to our first phone call right now? We have Don Liable from upstate New York, as uh, we usually do at this time. And uh, Don, you're on the Pro Wrestling Spotlight. Uh, good afternoon, John. You know we have a special guest here in the studio. One of my favorite of all time, Cactus Jack Manson. Well, hold on. <laughs> Hello, Jack. Last time we were on, I didn't like you very much. Yeah, I, ho I hope you don't hang up this time. You I better have a touching tribute to me, or I will be shutting you off real quick. Okay, that's a deal. So go ahead, Don. Well, in an organization that has been experiencing growing pains since Ted Turner purchased the National Wrestling Alliance last year, Cactus Jack Manson has been one of the most welcomed and talented individuals to come aboard. His style and tactics in the ring at times are bordering berserk, but Cactus is never boring to watch. Since coming to the NWA last winter, he has arguably been one of the most entertaining and hardest-working athletes on their roster. My apologies to Ric Flair fans on that. But he doesn't always have his hand raised in victory, but the bruises and the stretched muscles in his opponent's experience after tangling with him have been equally gratifying to Cactus Jack. Kevin Sullivan, Bam Bam Bigelow, and Sir Oliver Humperdinck have been among the big-mouthed behemoths that have hidden behind him and counted on Manson to fight their battles with and for them. Crazy maybe. Stupid not a chance. He's progressed at a pace Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, or Stan Hansen hadn't experienced. With less than a half dozen years on the pro circuits behind him, not since the legendary Sheik of Detroit fame has a wrestler caused as much havoc in arenas as Manson. He's become the man the fans love to hate. Those potentially crippling wild falls Cactus has been taking through the ring ropes and over security rails at ringside are entertaining and worth the price of admission any time. As powerful as the four horsemen are in the NWA, individually, Manson possesses all the qualities to give them a run for their money. Starting with the elite group's leader, Ole Anderson. Judging from past performances, it's this man's opinion that if put in the same ring with Ole one-on-one, Cactus Jack would have little difficulty in kicking his can. The only act more criminal in some of his maneuvers on the mat would be if the NWA someday would become separated from their senses and lose his services. John? Well, uh, Jack, uh, this is a... Uh, do you like Don now? After this I, I like Don, time? but I have one thing to say about, about his touching tribute, and it was touching. <laughs> Is Don, are you still there? Oh, yes. Don, take everything that you just said about me and place a big letter X in front of it because it's all in the past. Do you know what I'm saying? That's right. I'm saying that I am no longer a member of the NWA. What? You say they've lost my services. Well, they have lost my services. That's what are you hey, talking about, Jack? Hey, you hear about the Terry Funk I quit match November yeah. 15th, Troy, New there. York? You were there. Well, not only did I, Terry Funk may have quit a match, but I quit the whole damn promotion, and I feel a lot better because of it. 
You left. Wait, wait, Don. Hold on. Hold on a second here. You left the NWA, Jack? Yeah, I quit. Hmm. <laughs> this is a first. Uh, getting it right, uh, right as it's happening, John. Oh, well, it's a, just a recent development. Maybe that's why I, I accepted John's invitation to, to come here today. Well, I came. To, I'd like to, I wanted to have you. I know there's been a lot of changes happening in the NWA. And I may be the biggest one. Uh, no, that's that's. Uh, you know, John. Uh, it seems uh, now that uh, Cactus Jack has mentioned this that there's been quite a few uh, roster changes. More people coming that uh, perhaps are being dusted off that we haven't seen in a few years. And uh, I'd have to question them uh, not uh, trying to keep Cactus Jack and bringing back people that have uh, proven that uh, their best days are past them when Jack has uh, nothing but a bright future. Well, Don, it wasn't. It wasn't even a case of them not trying to keep me. It's a case of me not trying to keep myself because I was no longer proud to, to, to wrestle in the NWA. Uh, what brought that about? Just changes. Uh, there come, because there comes a time when I have to stand up and like what I see in the mirror, and maybe that wasn't the case anymore. Maybe I felt like spitting on myself every time I saw it because I was the furthest thing from what I arrived at. I, right now I'm the furthest thing from what I came to be when I was here first in the NWA. Well, it's uh, shocking news here at the Pro Wrestling Spotlight, uh, and unfortunate news as well. Uh, listen, Don, we're going to open up the phone lines to other callers, and we appreciate your time and a tribute to Cactus. Thank you very much. Uh, sorry to hear that, and uh, I'm sure uh, there are better days ahead for Cactus Jack. I'm sure they're going to be, and I'm going to get into that with him right now. Listen, thank Don, thank you very much. Bye-bye now. Amazing stuff. Yeah, th thank you. For the we talk about evolving, <laughs> how we even talked about your character then, you know, how that protection was there. Yeah, I'm still embarrassed of the terrible accent, um, but also, <laughs> that I would go. Every guy that leaves a company has to fight the urge to say something about them, because, you know, especially when you leave out of frustration. But that strikes me as being pretty bold for a 25-year-old who just had his first. Like, I'm much more grateful now for that 1989-1990 uh, break, uh, break I got in WCW than I sound then. But I was, I was really frustrated. Uh, to your words, Donnie, I, I did work really hard. Um, the character was uh, being accepted and was getting over to some extent, you know, and at the bottom of the... Uh, middle, top of the bottom type of way, mid card. You know, there was some comedy. I, 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 you know, you brought up Brody, uh, Brody and uh, Stan, but I think when I left, I wanted to be more like those guys and less like uh, mid card comedy figure. Especially when I met my wife and she uh, she really believed in me. That's my favorite part of my current. Uh, tour the nice day tour which you can check out at realnickfoley.com slash events uh i'm coming around i love doing the live shows and i love uh just uh, maybe uh, maybe six weeks ago i found a way to get uh my beginning days kind of tie them together try to use some good stories as a bridge to the next part of your career and i found that i really enjoy telling the story about meeting my wife and the um ability that she afforded me to really believe that I was capable of more, but I believed it by virtue of giving up that contract, which would have been $1,500 at the time, which was a huge boost from the 300 I'd been making the last few years. Um, but I, I really believed that I was capable of more than I thought the company was willing to uh, give me at that time. Not, I'm not talking financially, although that turn, did turn out to be the case, but 
I just thought that I uh, had a better run in me than they saw uh, than they saw me having. Well, I mean, you talk about the influence that Colette had uh, uh, on your life during this period of time, and of course, uh, you met her at a uh, at a promotion out in uh, Riverhead, Long Island, I believe. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I had uh, had the opportunity to see your uh, stand up and your show here in Nashville at Zany's. And it was incredible the way you did piece your career together. And of course it was sold out and it was just a wonderful uh, hour and a half just to listen to your stories and, and see the reaction of the crowd. But Colette, obviously uh, somebody that uh, uh, this next segment uh, it's from September 23rd of 1990 uh, we had moved to a bigger station. We moved to WGBB 1240 on the dial with a much bigger signal and a much bigger audience. And you were in the studio and a call had come in for uh, you to talk to you. Uh, and she called herself Christine from East Meadow. <laughs> Do you remember this? Yeah, I guess it was my wife. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and here's <laughs> the thing. I didn't know. And, and you played along with her. And I was like, when I listened to it the other day, and I was like, I think that's Colette, and I didn't even know. And oh, yeah. I said, I think I'm going to pull this clip, and uh, it's a short little phone call, a couple of minutes, but uh, the chemistry between the two of you was evident there, and your relationship had really just started at yeah. that time. Uh, so why don't we give this a listen? Uh, this is on WGBB, September 23rd, 1990, uh, with uh, Christine from East Meadow, who talks to Cactus Jack. Christine, let's yes. take a, Christine from East Meadow. Yes. You're on the air. Thanks. Hi, Cactus. How are you? Hi, Christine. How are you doing? Pretty good. Good. I saw you last weekend we're... with um, Abdullah the Butcher. Oh. I thought you were great when you took your boot <laughs> and you were really giving it to him in his face and his head. He likes that, huh? Yeah, look great. Are you a girl who likes violence? Violence? Yes. Um, subtle violence. I know you love violence. <laughs> what about in your personal life? Well, you like a little violence? Uh, I I really like cellos and violas better. <laughs> I can't believe that. <laughs> <laughs> you play your cello? Well, it's it's a it's a play on words. Oh, I know well, it is. <laughs> I'm kind of uh, I don't know. I'm kind of embarrassed personally. Uh, about what? About I, no, I don't. I don't know. I'm kind of stumped. Uh, stumped. I'm at a loss for words. Are you always like that? Well, no. Or just with women. Well, no, I don't want to talk about women because I have a beautiful girlfriend. Oh, you do? Who likes me without my teeth. Oh, she must be crazy <laughs> without your teeth. What else it's an interesting you like concept. you got to think about it. Yeah. Ah, I know. I know. Well, what type of women do you like? All right. Uh, <laughs> this is a, yes. The Cactus Jack. <laughs> dial a date. <laughs> dial a date. Okay. Here's a question. All right. Okay. Profession. Um, do you like when you wrestle a guy that's bigger, like Abdul, who's threatening looking? Or do you like to be the threatening look as opposed to wrestling somebody a lot smaller? Mm. Or do you like both? You need a lot of help. <laughs> I need? What about you? You need help if you like cello. Would you like to get help together? Oh, I'd love to. But no, I, I, uh, I don't mind. <laughs> yes, he's been in the Lost Awards for well, the first time on Christine, the show today. Christine, you might tongue up or something? No, I don't know. I don't, I'm not into that. <laughs> Christine, um, do you like my new beads and braids look? 
like them when you flip your head back and you oh. bang bang when the guys on the bang, floor. Bang. Bang, bang on the guys on the floor. Oh, yeah, that's right. I make a motion as if yeah, I'm shooting you, guns. Yeah, you wrap them up, and you're sitting on them, you go bang, bang, you flip your head back, and you stick your tongue out. Well, Christine, listen, we uh, we appreciate your comments. I'm sure Jack doesn't call back again All sometime. Right. Thanks for your call. Marty. Okay, bye-bye. Mark. Wow. <laughs> it's almost like this is your life, man. Pretty cool, because we'd been together about 10 weeks at that time, and I should have said you like the rough stuff instead of you like the violence. Um, yeah, that's, that's really interesting. Yeah. It's really, I remember that I was real shy, right? I'd, yeah. Uh, that, that was, that was a cool call. So glad you have that. I'm still tinkering with that. It's what's amazing to me, John is from that point. So that's September of 90, mm -hmm. I'm basically one year away at that point from coming back to WCW. Yep. And I think in between that time you just showed me, and uh, and when I debuted in W in WCW, made my return. I also got into some very gray Macho Man territory because I looked up to the Macho Man. We all tend to emulate the people we admire, and I remember Eddie Gilbert even calling me out and cutting Macho Man interviews. I didn't think I did, but when I look back at like stuff I did at Global Wrestling, I was like, oh man, oh man, there's too much Macho Man there. But somehow. <laughs> I, I've talked in the past, not on this show, but it's in general about guys hitting their groove or firing on all cylinders. Like, I don't think I was firing on, on all cylinders yet, but I think I just happened to find that groove in that, in that next year, mm -hmm. you know, by design. Like I had an idea of what I wanted to be and how I wanted to do it. And I only really had that year to really grow as a character. But when I did get to WCW, I felt like that Cactus Jack, which for my money, best Cactus Jack versions of Cactus Jack were fall of 91, maybe uh, going from the Eddie Gilbert stuff yep. to about my first full year in 92. And then the Cactus Jack uh, that showed up in ECW and IWA Japan. Those were like the, the best versions of Cactus Jack. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, really right on the money because that's how we saw the evolution of your character and your development. Um, we're going to jump right to November 11th, 1990. And you did a number of personal appearances with me on the show in those yep. days. And from my first convention, you were one of the headliners with Terry Funk and Ricky Steamboat and Bruno. And, and then, um, uh, we did a couple of other, you know, uh, remote situations earlier before EVD, but we did it. We did a, uh, an autograph appearance out on Long Island in Hop Hog. Let me with, tell you who was in it, right? It was um, Larry Zabisco. Yep. Nancy Sullivan. Yes. Uh, Greg Valentine? No, I think it was just the three of you and oh, maybe, uh, you know, an indie wrestler or two. But you uh, you decided that you wanted to have a rummage sale. And you wanted to just kind of sell stuff that, you know, that was old clothes and the sink and your toilet. You had a toilet that you that you were putting up for grabs. So on this appearance on Pro Wrestling Spotlight on WGBB or WBABAM as it was called then, you were in the studio with Killer Kowalski, which was an amazing duo. <laughs> and um, a caller called in, a surprise caller, who wanted to make the first bid on that toilet bowl. And I don't know if you remember who it was. I'm going to write, I'm going to write down uh, my, 
my guess of Sharpie okay. Peppers. Okay. Okay. Got a. Uh, okay, so you see, I got the uh, this mask, and on the other side, I've got my guess. All you right. have the answer. Okay. So why don't we all find out together who made the first bid? on Cactus Jack's Toilet Bowl. When I was on here the last time, that the, the loving slash garage sale, just a spark in my mind, and the, the listeners really picked up on it. It's really taken the imagination of, uh, of, the, of, of the state of New York, Connecticut, surrounding areas by storm, and I really felt like I had to bring in some personal things, some, some things that really had... One of the had, kind items. Yeah, that really had my own personal history in them, and it's based on the fact that if when I was a fan... I would have liked to have my stuff. So now that I, there are certain things I don't need and maybe certain things that I do need, but I'm going to, to release, and I will be reporting all of this to the IRS. <laughs> <laughs> I won't be selling my, my gold glove or my, or my, uh, my silver bat, uh, but I will be selling uh, the toilet bowl is going... Everything, including the kitchen sink. How about the contents of the toilet bowl? That'd be going too. The content. Someone asked if it was going to be a full bowl or not, and I was saying I certainly hope not. We've got the kitchen sink and some wrestling items. Yeah, you got some personal videos that you're going to be putting yeah, on some tape. Po- oh, yeah, the great lost WWF tapes. Uh, I wrestled five matches for the WWF and against who? Well, I wrestled uh, the British Bulldogs and the Killer Bees and Kamala. Oh, I heard some of your tapes can really rival that of Rob Lowe too, eh? Oh, that's from the uh, that's from the that's from series number two, the the Jack tapes. <laughs> so. I mean, uh, thankfully, nobody remembers them, but I thought because the John Anthony Azuru and the people here have been so good to me, uh, uh, I'm not really looking to, to make much money. I just, uh, Are you going to bring your jock straps, too? <laughs> Killer, anyone who's seen me in the shower knows I really don't need one. <laughs> so, so there'll be a, a whole slew of things that will be... Up for a grab, up for auction next week Yo, at this vest, vest. old uh, uh, elementary school textbooks. Uh-huh. I'm giving parts elementary of myself school out. textbooks. Yes. So there's a lot of personal artifacts. You guys are going to have a great time next week in Major League Images. Uh, we do have a few dealer tables left as well. Uh, but uh, your, your rummage sale is going to be, I think, a classic, uh, a classic encounter with the fans, so. a one-on-one uh, encounter with uh, the fans. I'm really so. putting myself on the line here, and if yeah. there's if there turns out to be not much interest, I may just crawl in a, a shell and uh, and go work for the ICW. Well, I tell you, oh, oh that doesn't happen. But I tell you, one person, this is a surprise to you, Jack. <laughs> yes. One person has already made I've a bid. This. I've heard this. You know, no, you I don't know, know who it is. The, I don't know who the person is. You don't know who it is. No, no. We're just gonna. We're, You're gonna drop the bombshell. We're gonna this? drop the bombshell right now because he did want to make that first bid on the toilet bowl. <laughs> and if we can, if we have that queued up and ready to go, let's go to the. Uh, let's unseal this bid for Cactus Jack's toilet drum roll, bowl. Drum roll, John. I don't think we need one. We for have this. a special wrestling personality who I'll let introduce himself. Uh, a special bid for Cactus Jack's rummage sale, and I believe it's on the toilet bowl. Well, you know, I heard that Cactus Jack Manson was was having a rummage sale. He was going to sell everything, including the kitchen sink. But the thing, Cactus, that I am I am most anxious to bid on, I'm putting a twenty dollar bid down on your toilet bowl, Cactus Jack, because you've ridden in the car with me, you have you have eaten with me, you've eaten dinner with me, and you've also eaten my dinner before you cheapskate. You have done everything, but you have never showed me your own personal toilet bowl. So, Cactus, a twenty dollar bid on your toilet bowl at your rummage sale is being entered by me. James E. Cornett, and good luck selling the rest of that. You know what? Okay, that was. Uh, I'm shocked. <laughs> that was Jim Cornett, 
of the Midnight Express, and he made that first bid on the toilet bowl. So <laughs> next week it will go. If someone doesn't buy it, we'll ship it to Jim. He said to send it to him, uh, UPS, collect, and should be interesting. There it is. Uh, absolutely correct. You had the answer right. Mick, you got it. You got it, man. <laughs> that was uh, that was great. It really was, and uh, just the chemistry with you and Jim, and uh, with Walter Kowalski there in the studio, and you um, promoting this event. I mean, it was just so much fun, and we had such a great time uh, during that. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean. Um, we, we're going to jump now because uh, we just got a couple more clips and then Bob's going to take it over. I'm going to talk about that time at the Press Box Cafe where you were right in the zone of WCW. But on April the 28th, 1991, there was an infamous show at Plain Edge High School out on Long Island. And uh, it was you against uh, Sunny Beach, sexy Sunny Beach. Was and this I'll- the show that uh, the two guys were sued for assaulting a family? Yes. Yes, and we you and I end up looking. I was like, no, I saw that. Show. The, are we talking about that? Or is no, something? we're talking about what happened when you uh, when I actually uh, got in the middle of you and Sonny. So first, let me explain about the uh, the lawsuit. I see it in Newsday yeah. about yeah. Um, it was uh, Johnny Grunge and yep. his part superstar Mike Lane, I think was his. So I don't even know we went by Johnny Grunge yet at the time, but Mike, Mike they Durham were good. maybe. Yeah, yeah Mike Durham. They were a good tag team, um, and I see this thing, and the woman says, this man monster, she describes all these things that Mike Lane did to her son. I said, John, I watched that match. I don't recall any of that. So John and I sit down. We watch the match, and the kid claiming to be the innocent victim takes a full, like, 32-ounce big gulp type of thing, and he pours it over Mike Durham's head, Mike, uh, Mike Lane's head. And, of course, you get that poured over your head, and he turned around. He grabbed the guy for about one second by the collar. He, saw, he just backed away like that. And that was the end of the lawsuit, wasn't it? Yes. Uh, yes. That was the end of the lawsuit. But um, Well, it was good that the videotape was there. Yeah, the videotape. And then you didn't have a lot of stuff that was being videotaped in the early 1990s. No, right? this, was, like this, was, this, this was handheld, too. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah. My sister um, was there with the video camera. No, right. Uh, but that was also the day Sunny Beach and I had a pretty good rivalry going on. Yes. Uh, wrestled all over the New York metro area. And there was that one night in particular in uh, Staten Island. I don't want to say who we thought put phoned in the bomb threat, but there was a bomb yeah. threat. Yeah. And about two hours went by and I told uh, Sonny, you know, man, we got to give him a great main event. And so it was a wild and woolly affair and there was blood involved for, you know, a little first spot show. I thought that we did a heck of a job, but in plain view, yeah, Arezzi, Arezzi tried to get involved. Yeah. He got involved in my business. Yeah, I did. What happens when you get involved in my business, John? You face uh, and you feel the consequences, obviously. I felt the consequences. Yeah, I dropped a big elbow on John. Yes, you did. That day. It was, it was bad. I mean, and, uh, you know, the one thing I do remember when my, you know, with me, I was uh, probably 350 pounds at the time. And when my brother-in-law and uh, referee Ron Barrier tried to pick me up, and they finally get me to my feet, and I'm walking back to the locker room, uh, as clear as a bell, you could hear a fan yell out, give him a six-foot hero, he'll be fine. (laughs) 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 And it was, uh, you know, I I wanted to laugh, I didn't laugh, but a few days later, we had Pro Wrestling Spotlight, 
Paulie Dangerously is on the telephone for the first yeah. hour. We're trying to get you on the phone, and I didn't know whether you're going to come on or not come on. Or And then finally, when we start the second hour of the show, we finally get you on the line for me to apologize to you for getting in your business. <laughs> Paulie's on there with you, and it's probably, out of the history of the Pro Wrestling Spotlight show, uh, it's in the top five all-time favorite moments, <laughs> and it's hilarious every time I hear it. So I'm going to turn it over to Bob to play this um, clip and um, enjoy it. I mean, because for me, it was an amazing thing uh, to get an elbow from you and to get a headbutt and a kick to the stomach. Uh, but hearing you and Paul Lee go at it with me and just kind of humiliate me uh it's it's classic let's give it a listen okay we're back for the second hour of the program and uh uh we're joined here by paulie dangerously and uh paulie you still there with us no i'm somewhere else okay paul you know i i told you and you heard a little bit about this uh, problem i had with cactus jack uh friday night in plain edge i stuck my nose in where it didn't belong and, I'm and the rest of your fat body, yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate You're it. You're welcome. Um, I've been trying to reach Cactus for the first hour, you know, to render an apology, and um, he has finally consented to come on the air with us. Well, so, good. So I'm going to bring him on with us right now, okay? You Cat have to ask my permission to bring on a talented human being like Cactus Jack. He's a great man. Yes, he is. And Cactus, are you there? Hey, hello, John. I just want to just apologize for... What happened Friday, you know, I suffered the consequences, as uh, um, a lot of your opponents have, but I just really didn't mean to do that. It was just, uh, uh, it was just short-sighted on my part, and I'm sorry, you know, and I did feel the consequences, but I, I had a friendship with you, and I just hope this doesn't really affect it. Well, John, I know I've been listening to this show. I've heard Paulie. It's always good to hear from Paulie. And as far as affecting a friendship, John, there are some things that just can't be turned around. Sometimes fate takes us a certain way and things aren't meant to turn around. Now, I can forgive you for being concerned for Sunny Beach. I can forgive you for putting your nose in my business. I can forgive you for a lot of things. But do you know what I did when I got home from Plain Edge High School, John? No. Do you know what I did? After a lot of soul-searching, I put the convertible top down. I took a walk in the park. Do you know what I did when I got home? No, I don't, Cax. I got engaged to be married. You did? Congratulations. I engaged to be married. <laughs> Do you consider me a creative person, Paul? Do you consider me a creative person? I consider you the creative genius of professional wrestling. Well, thank you. I consider myself a creative person. You know how long I thought about how I was going to get engaged, how I was going to go about doing it, how many different ideas of proposal I had? One of them, John, believe it or not, was to be engaged live on the air on your show. So everything was going to be great, but never, <laughs> never in my wildest dreams did I ever imagine that I'd spend my engagement night lamenting and crying and moaning that I've dropped an elbow on poor John Arizzi. For the rest of my life, when I look at that ring, i got to think of you. i got to think of you. I can forgive you for making me get up in that ring apron and put my hip through that once again. But I had my reasons. Mm -hmm. Paulie, you're well-read. I know you've 
studied Sigmund Freud. Yes. Two things kept going through my mind. Yes. I only remember two things about Sigmund Freud. I was in high school, and I remember signs for mental illness. And I remember looking at all the signs and checking them off one by one and saying, yeah, that's me. Yes. That's me. That's me. That's me. Yes. The second thing I remember is his seven defense mechanisms. That's right. One of them, uh, there's, uh, there's, I forget a lot of things, but one of them that kept coming through my head as I analyzed the situation, and I thought of John lying awake, hurting, his back in a knot, his brain in torment. I kept thinking of transferal, meaning I took my anger on something else out on someone who had nothing really to do with it. You got to understand, I just came back from Japan where they actually respect wrestlers. And then I come into Plain Edge High School, and with the exception of a bunch of people wearing Cactus Jack shirts, I may as well have been in the circus. Because they were there to see a circus act, they weren't there to really see real wrestling. But Paulie, I made them sit down and I made them like it. I, did, I remember seeing the deer hunter. I remember seeing the deer hunter when I was a young child. I saw it with a lot of relatives. And for four days after the movie, for four whole days, all the relatives could talk about was how much they didn't like the deer hunter. I didn't like that movie. I really didn't like it. <laughs> but they kept talking about it. Do you understand? Oh, yes. <laughs> they kept talking about it. It had an effect on them. So maybe the people in Plain Edge High School didn't like what I was doing, but it had an effect on them. There were no tears, there were no boos, there were just mouths hanging open. And why? Because I hated every single one of them. And Paulie, with you as my witness, if I could have spared the spit, I would have walked up and down the bleachers of Plain Edge High and laid a gooey one on all of them because that's what they deserved. <laughs> So they're going to try to laugh at me, and they expect to see their little wrestling show. Well, that's not what I'm going to give them. Do you understand? Where's Maybe Penn, is that in Long Island? What? Is that in Long Island? Yeah, Massapequa. Yeah. Oh, oh, Massapequa. Yeah. Oh, that's why, Jack. Why? They're retarded. <laughs> Did you know that Massapequa, and this, this is, and, and this is a geographical fact, is the highest point in Long Island? Really? And therefore... The toxic winds from New Jersey can actually hit that town with ha having to descend and break up due to the atmosphere. And since the toxic winds come over, I think comes over to Verrazano Bridge, and it comes over through Staten Island and then hits Long Island, they're just brain dead. You mean that smell when you pass by Staten Island may be responsible for it? Yeah, it's not a paper mill. It's from Jersey. Oh. So it's normal for those people to just sit there with their tongue scraping on the floor. You shouldn't get upset at them. They're, you know, they're brain dead. It's a town filled with Muhammad Ali's. <laughs> no, it's, well, you know what? I mean, it's, uh, it's some, uh, something of a revelation. I mean, uh, here I am. John said that the tension was in the air at the autograph show, but I said I'd be there, and I was. I appreciate that. But I really, uh, when I woke up this morning, I done. I yeah, don't think I'd forgotten about you. Like I said, I gotta suffer the rest of my life. Every time I kiss my beautiful wife, I gotta think of you.
That's sickening. <laughs> That's the kind of thing that makes men... <laughs> I mean, there may not be no children because of you, John. I got a suggestion for you, Jack. What, Paul? I would break up with her, take the ring back, leave, then come back later on in the day and repropose. <laughs> and then you don't have to think of this guy anymore. And well, plus, absence back. makes the heart grow fonder. So you might even appreciate her more the second time around. And mm. we wouldn't have to think of John. You won't have to think of John anymore. There you don't go. think of John anymore. <laughs> I mean, what what a classic bit. I mean, Paulie and uh, and just you. Uh, I noticed in that whole monologue that you did that you were, you know, there was a lot more substance to some of the things yeah. that you were coming out with. Yeah, I was thinking, wow, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm much happier with that yeah. uh, point of the evolution than I was at the beginning. So, again, it goes back to finding your ways and getting your reps in, uh, changing things out. Yeah, she is. I'm really glad you had a chance to listen to that. Uh, I had not heard that. That was true. I did what Paulie said. We broke up instantly after your show and got yes. back together a couple hours later. <laughs> it Otherwise, was, uh, there'd be no Foley children. Yeah, right. There was a memorable uh, weekend for me, and what a classic, uh, classic time in my life. Just to, just to go through that and to have the elbow dropped on me from uh, the hardcore legend, the Hall of Famer. Uh, Mick Foley. Uh, our last clip before Bob takes over um, was we moved to a bigger station. We moved to WEVD. It was our second show on 1050 AM being heard in seven or eight states. And uh, you were back in WCW. We brought you in the studio in Manhattan. You came and you weren't feeling well because we had a couple of surprises for you. Uh, and uh, they were both uh very prestigious uh, announcements for uh, for for you, and uh, we're going to play this clip right now. Uh, it's with Dave Meltzer and with Steve Beverly as we make an announcement of some wonderful achievements that you accomplished. What day is what uh, is the this? Was the January the twelfth, nineteen ninety two? Okay. Okay, Dave. Uh, one of the reasons that we brought Cactus here, and Cactus, uh, you don't even know about this. Uh, Dave, of course, your Wrestling Observer is uh, uh, the most widely read uh, professional wrestling newsletter each and every year. Uh, you have a yearbook that comes out uh, with year-end awards uh, for uh, various uh, professional wrestlers and their achievements over the year. And uh, this year, I think you have an announcement to make about Cactus Jack. Yeah, I just wanted to tell Cactus here, being that um, I just um, added it up about two hours ago, um, that you won the Bruiser Brody Award, and I think that uh, I completely concur with uh, the viewpoint of everyone who wrote in. I think that you, you know, deserved it probably as much as anyone deserved it any year that they won that award. The 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 Brawler of the Year Award. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you. John told me he thought that I might be getting that, and I told John that I guess the Observer Year-End Awards are the closest thing we have in wrestling to like a uh, Academy Award type thing. So I'm uh, I'm proud of that. But uh, you got to remember, I had a lot of good people that I brawled with throughout the year. Oh yeah. Well, hot stuff, Eddie Gilbert. Uh, that feud there in particular was one of the uh, best feuds of the year, and that was uh, brawl after brawl after brawl, barbed wire match, falls count anywhere, stretcher matches, and that was certainly a great feud as well. And I'm sure that'll finish high up in the observer voting for this year. Uh, uh, one other thing, Dave, I don't know if you want to mention it or not, but also there's a wrestler of the year category. And uh, Cactus, did, did he uh, manage to finish in the top ten for that uh, this year? 
Yeah, I um, I believe Cactus finished eighth in in um, in the Wrestler of the Year category. Yeah. Well, that's talking about a lot of pro wrestlers around, uh, not only uh, in this okay, country, a lot of countries. and a lot of countries throughout the world. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. And uh, uh, Cactus, uh, congratulations on uh, on those Observer well, Awards. Well, thanks, John, and uh, Dave. Thanks to your listeners who who liked the things that I did. Yeah. Well, you. Uh, I don't think that anyone's ever, uh, like I said before, I don't think anyone's ever worked harder for their spot um, in wrestling than you have. So, you know, I think that any awards that you get, you know, you more than deserve. Well, thank you. Uh, Steve Beverly is on the line. Okay, let's punch Steve up. Steve, are you there? Good evening. How are you doing? You're on with uh, Dave Meltzer. Are you still there? I sure am. Okay, and you're here at Cactus Jack. And, uh, Steve, of course, you're entering the last few weeks as the publisher of Matt Watch, which is uh, considered one of the top wrestling newsletter uh, letters in the world today. Uh, we've asked you to come on today because, uh, as uh, Dave Meltzer just mentioned to Cactus Jack, uh, we uh, brought Cactus in here for a couple of reasons, and uh, one of which... Uh, Dave Meltzer mentioned to him just a little while ago that he won this year's Bruiser Brody Award. And, uh, Steve, I think that uh, you have something to mention to Cactus as well. I definitely do. Um, this will be our fourth and final Matt Watch Annual coming up. It'll be published uh, the week of February 28th. And I'm really pleased to announce tonight, uh, we, we do very much like uh, Time Magazine and try to select what we think is a person who embodies the spirit and professionalism of wrestling, uh, even through some adversity and hard times. And your guest tonight uh, delivered performances that are at the pinnacle of anybody's profession. Uh, at times this summer when crowds were not great, when crowd enthusiasm could have been much less, but never failed to give a top performance. And second off, uh, presented what I felt like was um, part of the best match on a weekly episode of an American television wrestling program uh, this year, and that was the match with Sting on Worldwide Wrestling earlier. Because of all these factors, uh, we have named, and it's the first time I've ever announced it before the annual, we have named Cactus Jack the Matt Watch Man of the Year. Man of the Year? For 1991, and that goes along a tradition, 1988, Eddie Gilbert, 1999, or rather, not in 99 yet, 1989 was Terry Funk. Last year, we gave it to the wrestling television viewer because we didn't think there was anything extraordinary that anybody did that really merited it other than the viewer having to endure much of what they did. But this year, uh, this man's professionalism and performance, I think, has stood out above uh, that of anyone in this, in this field, and, and Cactus is my pleasure. Well, thanks, Steve. You got all of New York City, all of New York City's cheering now. See, John, uh, John never informed me of this. I really feel like this has become a, uh, this is your life, Cactus Jack. And I think I was going to call him up and tell him I didn't feel like riding along to New York City and just uh, calling mm. in on the telephone. I'm happy I came. And uh, like I said to Dave, thanks uh, to your to your readers who like what I do because uh, it does make a difference. Well, I think um, there's no question that. As we said a couple of weeks ago, now Dave has mentioned this many, many times. Of course, um, Dave and I are great colleagues and friends, and, and I, I think I can echo anything he has said previously. Uh, in, in a profession that is so turbulent, has so much turmoil, and in so many instances where uh, 
uh, ego goes before what's best for the business. Uh, I think you have truly personified what uh, many of us wish all professional wrestling would be like. And uh, and as many of the callers who've called in here before this evening, uh, you've never failed to give a top performance in my view, and I think in the view of many readers of Matt Watchin. Uh, and I'm looking forward. I've already written the profile to go along with uh, the Man of the Year Award, and I'm looking forward to uh, the readers being able to read about that in the Matt Watch Annual. Well, I'll tell you the truth, Steve. When you voted uh, Terry Funk Man of the Year, the piece that you wrote was one of the best pieces I've ever read, and it really almost, and I'm not just saying this, it almost put a tear in my eye uh, reading some of the things that Terry Funk went through uh, to make him the man of the year in your eyes. And if I got any of it, have any of that, it, Terry Funk's been a big inspiration. There's been a lot of people in this business that have been very good to me, and you guys are, are among them, so thank you. Well, you're quite welcome, and uh, we just hope that 1992 is going to be an even, even bigger year for you. I think uh, that the greatest period of your career is ahead of you if you stay healthy and after taking a roll down 50 steps i don't know how likely that is <laughs> but um but i uh, i do i really think that um we need more cactus jacks in this profession and i just uh, i just hope you stay healthy enough that we can see uh, the ultimate top of your career reached there you go i mean it was uh it was great tribute from both of those uh journalists of course, the Observer, Matt Watch, the Torch, and others were so prominent back then, um, much more than they are today. But um, how did you feel? I mean, uh, coming into your own uh, and getting these awards. To you know, to Matt, Man of the Year, Matt Watch, and um, that's a big deal. Um, uh, to the Bro the Brody Brawling Award. Um, yeah, I think that was, I, I think I won it several years in a row, but that first year, obviously, there's something about that first year. Uh, so, yeah, I was really grateful uh, that the fans, you know, and I guess it was the fans who voted me that, right? Uh, the Observer Award, yes. Yeah, Matt Watch, yeah. it was, it's, a, it's a call from Steve. It's more fun for me to watch. It's still interesting to hear me kind of staying in character mm -hmm. a little bit as Cactus yeah. Jack. That was some treacherous water to wade in at that time, uh, and there was always it was it was kind of risky to be on on camera uh, or on radio with the the newsletter guys because yeah. there was still some people in the business you know who really thought poorly of them, and uh, you know now that we we all talk smart, it seems strange you know that there was a time when they were. Um, um, so maligned. they're still maligned. Um, I think anybody, you know, easily, obviously Dave makes his living doing that. But for people like Don, I, I imagine you weren't making too much money writing those profiles and you put a lot of passion into it. And so I think it's always it's always very flattering that someone will spend a lot of time unless they're spending a lot of time burying you. And then it's not flattering. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Bob had his job uh, full-time. Donnie was a freelancer. You know, for me, it was uh, buying your time, you know, doing what you can to uh, keep the lights on, keep the rent paid, and just be in the business. And it was very difficult when you had to buy your time every week. It was uh, truly a great, great show. And, of course, we got more uh, next week when we go over that live remote from the Press Box Cafe that took place in Brooklyn, New York. 
but we, before we wrap up this edition of the show, we want to remind you that you can email us questions if you'd like them answered. Uh, that email address is prowrestlingspotlightja at gmail.com. Also, no matter what platform you listen to this show on, whether it's Apple, Spotify, Google, Podbean, Audacity, iHeart, they all have links you could share on social media. That really helps us grow the audience. And if you're listening on Apple, uh, make sure you give it a five-star review and write us a nice review there as well. If you can, that uh, goes a long way. Greatly, greatly appreciated. So this will wrap up this edition of John Arezzi's Pro Wrestling Spotlight. You could join our private group at facebook.com slash pro wrestling spotlight podcast and radio show. Our public page to share history is facebook.com slash John Arezzi's Matt Memories. There's a private group there as well. Uh, we have a YouTube channel that's up and running and got about 1,300 subscribers to it now. Uh, just go to that, youtube.com slash Pro Wrestling Spotlight. So it's the Pro Wrestling Spotlight channel on YouTube. Subscribe to that channel now. You can follow me on Twitter at John Arezzi. Instagram is the same, at John Arezzi. And if you'd like a signed and numbered copy of my book, Matt Memories, we still have copies available. Send me an email, john at mattmemories.com. We have merchandise available right now. Forward Merch is our merchandise partner in New Hampshire. And uh, we have a Pro Wrestling Spotlight store ready to ship some great stuff to you right now on the site. T-shirts, caps, autographed posters, signed books, and more available now. Tinyurl.com slash PWS store. That's tinyurl.com slash PWS store. Don't forget to check out our sister podcast, Matt Memories from Madison Square Garden, covering all the shows I covered from the Mecca of all arenas. 50 years to the day the show takes place. There are five episodes currently available covering WWWF Madison Square Garden cards from August of 1971 right through February 21st of 1972 and more each and every month. Current episode features the rematch between Professor Toru Tanaka and Pedro Morales in their uh, title match for the WWWF title. And check it out wherever you hear your favorite podcast. Matt Memories from Madison Square Garden is co-hosted by Tim Poutre, written and researched by Richie Garcia. John Arezzi's Pro Wrestling Spotlight podcast is a production of Matt Memories, LLC. Our co-host is Bob Smith. Our producer and editor is Alex Robertson. Donnie Liable covers the time capsule each and every week. The Pro Wrestling Spotlight's creative director is our friend Marsh. And thanks to our Patreon executive producers, Jeremy Priest and Matt Walsh, and all the patrons for your support for the production of this show. Until next week, when we relive more history with you, this is John Arezzi for the Pro Wrestling Spotlight.